At a young age, cooking with kerosene, pan-fried apple green recipes and magazines. Top chef before home ec, developed his own tech to keep the dough fresh and keep the flow wet and keep the stove running. Deliver hot wraps, had to preheat the oven. Word got around, other chefs were summoned, but someone stole the All whole book. Green. Why do I still have the stats for this boss? I'll put this away. <laughs> the what? For the what? What? No, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine, it's fine, I'm sure. I, I'll just put away this document of my plans for all of the amazing things that we're going to get revealed that no one's going to know about now. Yeah, uh, so for p posterity, what's happening at this very moment is Skitch's modem exploded, uh, 25 are dead, 13 wounded, uh, so we can't do normal There's episode. internet everywhere. <laughs> the cleanup teams are on the scene. Uh, so many lolcats, <laughs> they're never going to get those out of the they walls. They had a brownout. Which it means they poop themselves. That, that is why they call it that. Uh, yeah. So real, yeah. Real quick, I just said let's just do a Q and A episode. So we'll have it in the bank in case the tech issues don't get finished. We actually are already one episode ahead of recording. I don't know if this is interesting to you, audience. Uh, but regardless, you're listening to a podcast where we're going to talk about Dice Funk. Uh, before we get in, I gotta say, just listen to a great podcast called uh, "My Roommate Is Mothman and He Won't Leave" or something. Uh, and I gotta say. <laughs> Man, fuck Kevin. What a dick. Yeah, Kevin fucking sucks. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so sh shout out to Rolling with Rainbows if you want to know why Kevin sucks. Rolling with Rainbows <laughs> is a real good show. You should check it out. Ooh. Oh, thanks. The first, uh, the, the first uh, proper campaign Call of Cthulhu stuff is coming out tonight Ooh. as we are recording right now. That's exciting. They're going to die. That's <laughs> not really another way. Sorry for the spoilers. Yeah. I haven't heard it, but I assume that's how it ends because Cthulhu. Well, yeah, Call of Cthulhu is not a game where you win. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, it's a game where you die. It, it's a game. It's a game where you manage for as long as possible. So there's no way to win. It's like a game where you gain more and more trauma until you are either just a sobbing mess and die, or become an alien. <laughs> Ooh, alien. You know how in Darkest Dungeon your characters like theoretically could survive, but they're not going to. <laughs> you know what's very strange? I've been listening to Warhammer 40k lore videos to relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there's nothing more relaxing than the dark future where everything is war. Yeah, but it's like so unbelievably horrible that has nothing to do with my everyday life. Is anyone racist? No, they're too busy being way worse than that. <laughs> Like, They're extremely racist, but it's so much that it's like not it's like not relatable racism. It's just like, oh yeah, the orcs. Yeah, yeah. It's like so unbelievably terrible and horrible that I'm like, oh my god, this is I can't even relate to this. This is just bad. I feel relaxed. That's why I feel, I like the Saw movies, and people are like, oh, they're so gross and exploitative. And I'm like, it's just white noise of violence. It, it, it's just comedy at a certain point, because you can't take any of it seriously. So yeah, you definitely get desensitized. Yeah. Which is why I think the horror on our show works, to t turn it back to Dice Funk, is because it's like, boner joke, boner joke, boner joke, oh god, my leg, oh, there's so much blood. And then, because of all the boner right. jokes, you're like really invested in the shredded leg. I think that's true. I think that holds up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you do jokes, 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 oh no, everyone's heart is broken, jokes, jokes, jokes. I mean, I've been getting super into Resident Evil lately, and like, you definitely get desensitized, and it's just not, like, just not scary at all, where it, it, it was when you were going in or whatever, and I think that, like, by contrast, I've been a lot more scared of just, like, exactly like you're saying, just, like, scary moments in otherwise fun and light stories. This reminds me of what happened to Downton Abbey. 
when it was out at the round around the same time as um, Game of Thrones. And Downton Abbey is about people who have literally no problems. <laughs> and then they were like, what if in season three we try to add like a kind of Game of Thrones problem? And I was like, I'm never watching this again. How dare you do this to me? <laughs> There's supposed to be no problems in this show. <laughs> like no real problems. <laughs> I was just, this is me doing my thing where I go, anyway, it's dice funk time here. We should do questions because apparently that's what I do here. <laughs> Thank you very much, Laura. I'm looking at the chat. Thank you every much. Uh, thank you every much. That's nothing. Thank you very much for asking. You a can question. thank me every much. <laughs> I will thank you every much. Um, so people are asking questions, uh, which is very helpful. Does anyone jump out? Should I just go uh, just chronologically here? Is anyone seeing any good ones? Oh, I saw one somebody was asking, is the world of forms ever coming back? This is interesting to me because I'm currently listening back to the old seasons of Dice Funk and I'm like in the middle of that stuff and I'm like digging it because I'm actually planning on doing something kind of similar on my Call of Cthulhu thing, but I, you didn't hear it, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> um, you wouldn't be the first podcast that had some suspiciously similar ideas after I dropped mine. I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not trying to start any beef, but you know who you are, people who don't listen to this. Yeah, yeah. There, there have been many years of Austin tuning into, into Skype when we used to do this and going, you know that thing I made? Mm, it's elsewhere. <laughs> oh no. I will say I had the whole thing planned out before I started my re-lesson, but I don't really feel that the disclaimer is that necessary because it's not really that similar. But like, anyway, is the world of the forms ever coming back? I like the world of the forms. Yeah, so I mean, it hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, it's been de-emphasized in some seasons just because I didn't want it to become very predictable. So if, like, from my perspective, um, this I guess this is going to be spoilers for previous seasons. I'll try not to be too specific, but some of it's going to be inevitable uh so in season two i was like oh yes sacrifice is like the big thing season three guilt is a big thing and then i was like well this is getting a predictable you know rule of threes i don't want people to just tune into a new season and be like looking for the thing and not paying attention to like the jokes or whatever so in season four i, I deliberately uh, obscured and hit it which made a lot of people very anxious and they were like what is it tell us ah <laughs> uh, so that was i mean i'm glad you're engaged that's good so season five it came back it was like very physical literally one of the characters wore it as an item the whole time i once again trying to avoid spoilers uh six is a huge plot point uh one of the entire arcs was about recovering one of the forms so it's like really there seven it came up not a big deal eight i mean I don't know if it's going to come up. Uh, should I say? Is Do we want to have plot details on the Q&A episode? Don't, don't, like, spoil it for us if we don't know. But, like, I'm getting the vibe that you have an idea if we find something. It's more, it's it's not plot, it's subtext, I guess okay. I would say. In the same way, last season it was combination, because, you know, uh, there was all those animals that were being combined, there was all the planes that had been combined. It was, you know, it was a theme, a motif, I guess, more than, like, in season three or five, where it's like, oh, here's an item that is a thing. This is right. the, you know, yeah. it's a MacGuffin, essentially. Um, so I guess uh, if you don't want to hear what the season eight form is, you know, earmuffs for, like, ten seconds, I'm just going to say... Uh, it's symbiosis, and and now you I guess you're taking your earmuffs off. Um, <laughs> that's not like a thing they're going to physically encounter. It's just look at like look at the receipts, bub. Look at slime. L yeah, I can see that already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that fits in pretty nicely. The alabrihe and uh, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> look I at Cat and Noby. <laughs> <laughs> Cat and Noby, yeah, not not quite as literal, but yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh... 
So yeah, what else do we have in the question thread? Um, let's see here. Uh, advanced. Oh, did you say the name of the person who asked that question? We should do that. That was Jade the Rascally Coconut asked about the world of things. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the Rascally Coconut. Uh, advanced Lesbianics says, Austin, hail an Appoy, do you ship it? I guess we can spin this off to shipping in general. I mean, Sun, Moon, Stars, and Slime, obviously the big ship this season. Do we have any other shipping thoughts? There have there have been seasons in the past where I've where, where shipping stuff has been a thing for me. Like very explicitly, season seven was like we're gonna start these two player characters as a thing. I've not really thought about that for Neelith. It just doesn't feel like it's like I don't foresee shipping anyone with Neelith or Neelith with anyone. I can kind of imagine. Not that I can kind of imagine pairs of characters as much, but I can definitely like get the vibe from most of them that they could be with somebody but it would like i just wanted to say that venta specifically kind of had a very kind of ace vibe i think like <laughs> um this is kind of this is almost an anti-answer but i just like to me venta kind of seemed like someone who does doesn't have that like as a thing they're interested in i don't know th sorry this is like a very weird like <laughs> character read on like <laughs> it might have been all that talk about how Venta doesn't nut that might have put that in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang, I forgot about all that. <laughs> yeah, Bozog's uh, bud, like, sponges canonically. Although, we, I mean, we've had them in relationships. Oh, huh. So, like, the, you know, in season four, Lauren's character dated a Bozog. So they absolutely can express a lot of different things. You know, they're, they're not limited in that way. But I feel like if, that's a, if there was a seed that was planted, it was definitely the, I, I don't know how to nut. <laughs> Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, I wasn't expecting to fall deeply in love with Sun, Moon, Stars, but now we've... Wait, how far are we in the... When they listen to this? Uh, that's a good question. If you if you say something that happens in the episode we've recorded, then this will come out after. If you don't, then it'll come out before. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, now that we've merged into Slime, Moon, Stars... Um, <laughs> okay. You know, I wasn't expecting to fall in love with a Dungeons and Dragons character that's not real, but somehow I've become extremely protective of <laughs> That's how it goes When Roald was like, yeah, Aww. I want some moon stars, I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, you say not be not real as if that's a barrier to your Bioware thoughts. <laughs> yeah, but like Bioware, you know, I can read like pages and pages of sexy fan fiction to enhance it. Yeah, but can you can you have a literal conversation with them though? Like True. actual conversation. That's a real point. You can do that. Yeah, Austin, role play as my girlfriend now. I made Conrad role play as my romantic partner all of last season. <laughs> we spent the whole season making jokes about how we were going to fuck. Oh, gosh. It's a classic D&D &D thing is to have uh, awkward romances with your platonic friends. But I, I got to say, from my perspective, it took me totally by surprise in that first scene when you said my love to sun moon stars i had not in any way prepared for that we just it just like happened it was wild yeah. well yeah because slime's like well we spent time together i want to know what it's like <laughs> i want to know what love is <laughs> sometimes you just gotta float with your dm and see where it goes <laughs> yes but to slime sun moon stars is very important because sun moon stars loves them even though they never infected their brain ah. that is that is a very lovely thing to know <laughs> that's why all of the friends are super important because they managed to what slime thinks probably is like 
for slime without having to control their brains. Which is why it was like, Mold, what are you doing? They don't really like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a really important characterization for what is shaping up to be a major antagonist. So this is really very much how it's become kind of the heart of the season, which is very unexpected. That's just how the show rolls. I don't come in with a plan of like (laughs) how things are going to go. I just kind of let you all play around and we find out what's interesting. So thank you very much, Mari. No, I I greatly enjoy it because it, plays with the idea of, well, they split and they experienced different things and therefore became exact opposites, which is like how it could be for literally anyone's life. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm such a good person. Well, were you ever given an opportunity to be fucking evil? No. Then what can you say? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's like, I'm sometimes an advocate of like characters not changing rather than having an arc or whatever. And I think that like, it's fun that slime did change and then there's another slime who was around for exactly the same amount of time that that was happening and mm-hmm. and didn't and remained the same it when, um, yeah the the times when you choose to like have characters change or to go no this is the path they are on and sometimes there's just no getting that train off the tracks once it's rolling like that's real interesting well it's like i decided with philippa that like you know she intelligence is a complicated thing and she is good in one respect at that like she is an academic but then like she's put into the position of leadership and like in the time after that that like dice roll declared philippa governor and i was like trying to figure out what what should happen i was like i think the biggest thing is she shouldn't be a very good one (laughs) i think that like she should make a mistake right out of the gate like she should fuck up really badly it's 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 like uh when when you pointed out that i had completely missed initially that um that nobi was being (laughs) being real not great Uh uh real insincere um, it would have been so easy to go, oh, I, the player, have failed to know some information. Uh, I should change the character so that they know and can avoid the bad thing. It's like, no, sometimes you you know your character's a train wrecking, you got to let them do their thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Laura, you probably can speak to this best, and actually this dovetails nicely with the question I just found. Uh, Dusk asks uh, to Laura and anybody else who wants to answer, who's your favorite personal character, You've your favorite character you've played? And I would say that dovetails because last season you made a deliberate choice not to have your character go through like a very uh, traditional hero arc. They kind of started uh, or generally good person and kind of ended as a good person. And some people were like, oh, I wanted more change. And I think you, we talked about how that was kind of refreshing to reject those uh genre conventions and tropes but uh so that's you know that's that's the thing i I, i've played a lot around with different types of characters i've been i've been on dice funk for like since season three now and like you know i started off with you know your characters that are like ah bad character that redeems to good that's a nice easy arc because you sort of know what your trajectory is from the start um i did character that was shitty bumbling person who became more competent again very easy arc to do um i think i think still my favorite character to play um was nifix in season six just because nifix was the me was me making a deliberate effort to do the opposite it's much easier to take a bad person and work them towards good and feel feel good about that journey and feel positive it's harder to take a character that starts nice and be willing to let them 
make messy choices and make bad choices and go down a path that people aren't going to like and to keep sticking with that choice and that was something that I I wanted for myself to go I want to know that I can do that um and I am so proud of the story that we ended up telling that season I'm really proud of the character I did but like I wanted to do something different in season 7 with Vindros and as you say Having come off the back of a season where I had been a very contentious character for being a good person who, in many ways, becomes worse as a result of situations they're in, I just wanted something nice, and I wanted something calm, and I wanted something palate-cleansing, and as you say, I didn't... It's very rare in D&D to just have a character who just starts somewhere nice, and ends somewhere nice, and... That's that's okay. Not not everyone is changed dramatically by every journey they go on. Some people just do the journey. And it's not a thing I, you know, I I think I want to do again, but I I'm glad I did it and I think it was needed after after season 6. I would also say like uh, when people are kind of advocating for like change the character, change the character, change the character all the time like um you can't see why a character needs to change if they never stay consistent with any with any like traits so like sometimes you just need to bear out like who they currently are to really establish like why and, they should change and i i think for for season six for vindras like the the thing for me was i was less interested in them changing as a person and more in their journey as the person they already were it was more for me about what is their response to and I, I don't think it's even necessarily fair to say that Vindros didn't change. Vindros had very different uh, perspectives on events and very different sense of what she wanted her life to be by the end of it. She went from someone who was very, very devoted to one person to the point of complete blinders that they are my whole world to, no, you're just a person and that's okay. I still like you just as much as I did before, but from a much healthier perspective. Yeah, they actually, in some ways, their dynamic almost switched, where at the end it was much clearer that Conrad's character appreciated you and looked up to you. So there was definitely yeah. some change. You were completely static. But a lot of people want something more dramatic. They want the, <laughs> that s- second act breakup where there's a misunderstanding that could be cleared up. But that's the thing. Everyone says they want that until I do a Nifix and then they don't want it. <laughs> I feel like people uh, on re-listen or like uh, binging appreciate Nifix a lot more. I think while it was happening, people felt this despair, like they couldn't save her, couldn't stop her. (laughs) Yeah, like honestly, people I've spoken to who've done re-listens have said as much. They've gone like, oh, I was actually a lot harsher on Nifix than I should have been now I've listened. I'm like, I'm glad that's panned out because I was so happy with her. It's gen- genuinely a great arc, better than the Joker movie. Uh, that's my opinion as a person with a literature degree, so you know it counts. Um, well, mm, j- just wait until wait until season eight's done, everyone. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Sophie, you've only been on the season the show for one season. What's your favorite character you've played of your three? <laughs> uh, just wait for the rest of the season when Nobi does the dance down the steps after killing his mom. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, out of my three characters, uh, you know, um, characters are always reflections of the author, and, um, so I don't, like, I try and try not to shy away from that too much, and try to, like, instead find what part of myself a different character is to help me 
figure out who they are. And so, like, I think that um, I've made Philippa in a lot of ways kind of, you know, my, like, my mom's an academic, and I think that, like, you know, to some degree I've made Philippa a bit like my mom, and uh, I've also made Philippa, like, a, a little like how I felt about myself at a time when I thought I might also go into academia like her. And then, like, Nobi and Kat, when I realized that they were both, like, like five years old, I was like, okay, I should make these both kind of younger versions of myself. And so Nobi is kind of a, a shithead reactionary teenager. <laughs> and um, and then Kat is a Kat is a is a baby tran. Like Kat, Kat is just like someone who's just like figuring out that it's uh it's a possibility and an, and an okay one and an exciting one. It's to okay to want to be a pretty princess. <laughs> right, to be femme and so like just running around to everyone in the party going like do you like my hair? Do you like my hair? Like you know it, it's like it's tough because I just see them all kind of like I I just have a lot of thoughts about like each of them and who they are and who they could be and and so on. Like the best way I can answer is just like to describe who they are to me. Like like I have the most fun playing cat. If you want a short answer, that's that's it. <laughs> but like every, all of them are kind of just different people. Aren't y'all glad that I made the enemy my pet? Hell yeah! <laughs> and failed many, many, many times. <laughs> it was great. I mean, Mari, you've been. I mean, I don't want to just turn this into the Mari show. <laughs> but yeah, let, no, let, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I think you're incredible. It's been. I've been completely blown away by your role playing. It's it's been such a treat. Um, in fact, I see a question here uh, from Azalea. It says, if you could redo any season of Dice Funk with the cast you have right now, which one would you do? Uh, and I really wish this group could play season four, uh, mm. which is our <laughs> cyberpunk uh, political, uh, you know, like very Game of Thrones esque, like politics thing, which the all the players at the time were just terrified to interact with. Uh, and I feel like Sophie and Mari <laughs> would just take a fucking blowtorch to it and melt that city. And God, I want to see that. I have like a, <laughs> a, a a whole campaign planned out of Vampire the Masquerade, which will hopefully show up on Rolling with Rainbows sometime. But like it was and I'm listening at the moment to season four of Dice Funk and I'm just like, oh, this is it. This is a spicy meatball this is exactly right also the Yu-Gi-Oh wizard is killing me i love my so Yu-Gi-Oh good. wizard i'm so sad i i i like i missed the season where you all had stands i missed the season where there was a Yu-Gi-Oh wizard i'm like what look hey there's no one to stop you from making a Yu-Gi-Oh wizard for season nine if you want to no one can stop you <laughs> Just like a, 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 a an apprentice of Frank's, just like a, a yeah, someone who idolizes him. So, someone who found like someone found some some fossilized <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh cards under the the dirt, and it's like he <gasps> found the tablets that Yami Yugi plays with. Yes. <laughs> Um, let's see here. A conduit of Corvids asks, when will Dice Funk do a season that's just making fun of Isekai? I asked this because uh, Mari's first pitch for her next season character was an Isekai character, and I was like, no Isekai! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that you use the fancy word for it instead of like... No, my idea was a curse. Like, no, it doesn't matter. It's still Isekai. <laughs> you used the word Jumanjied. Yeah, I. It's Jumanjied. It's different. Gets Jumanjied into D and D. No, it was more like, <laughs> how much can I say about my character next season? What can I say? It, I mean, it's up to you. Uh, we tease characters sometimes seasons in advance, so it's oh. up to you. I, I um. Know. 
first of all, I think isekai is cool because I always imagine it happening to me <laughs> and how I would handle it <laughs> extremely well. Mari, um, playing D&D is being an isekai. No, it's not for real, though. Hey, you're transporting <laughs> yourself into a world. <laughs> It's a classic trope. I mean, it used to be called portal fantasy. Uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court is like one of the most important English language ones. It has deep roots. I'm not even saying it's not worthy, but in the modern context, it's almost (laughs) completely connected to schlock anime. I wanted to be a mean cheerleader who gets cursed by a girl, a goth girl that she's been bullying, but it's something. She's still going to be the meanest, most awful person ever. Um, and I want them to really hit rock bottom due to their own actions and <laughs> so that they have to change. But I hope that's the case. That's what happens and not just well, it happens with the dice funk thing. And I just become an evil queen and don't change. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a question that might mesh with this. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Somebody asked me, um, let me say who it was, Advanced Lesbionics again. Sophie, who would have been your num- number two choice for backup character after the Dream Team? And I wanted to just talk about this for a minute because I I have every intention of playing this character at some point in something, hopefully Dice Funk, but not not next season. Um, it was a it was I, I the character I pitched to Austin. Austin Austin said, like, it's a closed system, so it needs to be someone from within the town. That's the reason I didn't go with this character. But before he said that, I pitched this character who's basically, like, um, a Sherlock Holmesy, Hercule Poirot kind of, like, master detective, which I thought would mesh nicely because we're doing, like, investigation mystery stuff on this season. And uh, But the character conceit was, like, he had been a kid who was like super into um was just super super into mystery novels and detective novels <laughs> and got a wizard to transform him into a master detective like while only age like 13 or 14 so like he's just like an awful person like just awful to be around because he is just like emotionally a teenager even though his intellect would just be like through the roof like i would just like want to like custom max out the like investigation so he would just genuinely be like an asset to the team for like solving mysteries but he would just be such a fucking dickhead (laughs) so so you took your need to make just an asshole teenager and just transposed it onto a sheep (laughs) (laughs) no well i mean i mean the ways in which he was going to be an asshole teenager were going to have a lot more to do with like I guess the ways that he processes the the world is fiction and stuff. Like, I think that, like, okay, so like a lot of trans masks I know uh, are like hyper into uh, writing and reading fanfic, and um, and so like part of the conceit of the character I was going to go for was that like he was a, a teenage girl, not a teenage boy, and like kind of the ways that he interacts with the world like have a a lot to do with like being so deep into like fictional worlds and um yeah and just also like not being emotionally prepared to deal with stuff being a teenager in a adult body like uh yeah just not like i i say a dickhead but kind of like a dickhead through through different but similar 
juvenile means to Nobi. Like Nobi's a little a little cop, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. like just laying like you know laying that out there. Like Nobi's a cop, right? Yeah. Um, this person would be this person would be something else. Kind of like very into like the romantic notion of themselves and stories and like heroes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you have plenty of ideas. A lot of this stuff reminds me a lot of Chris, who like every week would t- give me a new character sheet and say, "Well, what about this fella?" <laughs> Just like <laughs> const- constantly creative. Yeah. Um, so that was great. But also another thing besides the closed system that your detective, I maybe I'm t- probably too paranoid about this, but I worry about repeating ourselves. And uh-huh. Chris did play a, a character who was like a child who wanted to be an adult, and also played an, uh, a teenager who was in a child's body. And so I don't know. I was also thinking about I didn't want to repeat that stuff, but it's definitely still on the table. Um, I try never to say no. I see that. I think it, it's it's like it's a slightly different angle to that because it's not. Um just about a a child wanting to be an adult but like just specifically being so into the fiction this fiction series that they love that they specifically want to be this guy the 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 like the (laughs) it's funny you say that because that's that's clear's whole thing in season seven god damn it you 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 and chris have the same trauma i can tell (laughs) you both are working through the same things um Very quickly, I think we have a sketch. Yeah, uh, it's amazing what electricity could do to modems. It could turn them on and apparently turn them off permanently. And make you poop. (laughs) 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 You you always have something, Mario. You always have something to say, Mario, that just catches me off guard. It all makes Uh, sense to me. So what question is next on the list of questions? Sigil wanted to know, how did you come up with a neurodivergent squid baby? Yeah, so uh, I've seen Sigil's questions. Specifically, they ask, um, coming up with a neurodiverse squid baby that uses telepathy to get around being unable to read people's social cues. Um, So this is one of those things that sometimes just happens when you put mechanics and ideas together and you don't... Like, I hadn't thought this entirely through when the season started, but it was just a thing that came up as the season went on. Um, We talked a little bit already in this Q&A about, like, hey, sometimes you put a bit of yourself into a character, and this season I was like, you know what? Just a little, a little bit of neurodiversity on this squid baby would be would be good, and I mainly kept it to some role playing choices about how she handles the uh, the, the the management of her kitchen and how she sort of organizes the the restaurant and just some of her little behaviors that I wasn't sure whether that was going to be a bigger thing or not. Um, it's something that. I was like, you know, if I find opportunities to make interesting roleplay choices out of the choice to have this character be neurodiverse, wonderful, if not, no harm, no foul. Um, This season, uh, particularly recently having like, hey, don't use telepathy on people without them asking, has honestly provided some really interesting um, thoughts for... Um, neurodiversity and how that that goes around because like I really like the thought that this character basically uses that as a bit of a crutch and I feel like having there be a little additional consequence to 
oh no, I can't just use mind reading as a shorthand for understanding what people are on about, leaves room for interesting character stuff. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of shorthand that exists for working out what people are doing when you're autistic, and suddenly losing one of those mental shorthands can be confusing and leave you a little bit rattled, and I'm, I hope that that's gonna turn into some interesting stuff. That's interesting, because, like, slime's, like, a reflection of how frustrated I feel when people won't explain to me a social situation, and I was just like, you know, I'm gonna lean into it. I'm gonna be completely unaware. And it felt good. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, is I, I, I think Neelith is the is the opposite of that. I think Neelith is the I have found a method of fumbling through that makes it seem like I know what I'm doing, and as long as that stays intact, I can seem like I know what I'm doing. And without that, that <laughs> becomes a problem. I really love Neelith. I think she's just a great character. Yeah. I Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if not for this if for technical issues, oh mm, more more episode would have occurred. Mm. I know. I was but no, to find no. out Neelith's whole thing. Yeah, you're right. You're tiptoeing on the edges. Goddamn. <laughs> Laura, Mari, and Sophie talking about how much of themselves they put into their characters reminds me why Joan from season two is my favorite because uh, she's a lot like me, just hot, confident, smart, <laughs> flawless, never done anything wrong, feeds people to spiders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, like, like it's it's been like the part of the reason why I was. I really wanted to record the episode today because, like, I've been building up, like, what the emotions I'm going to be going through for the past week, and now I have to hold on to that for yet another I, I week. Emotionally, I just, emotionally it, built up for today. I was ready. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were both, Laura and I were ready to go in and possibly cry during and after the recording. And before, maybe to, the day after. In, like, tomorrow. Yeah. We're, we're... <laughs> Is it tomorrow? Yep. I, I'll be in a. I'll, yeah. I'm just at, at an increasing level of hype every second that hype, we, hype, we hype. wait for the, the, the these things to be revealed and, and the, the rest of the season to move forward, and I'm just like, I don't know if I can handle it. It, it, it is like, oh gosh, and kind of to play along with Cosmic, you know what I'm saying, like, it's funny how each season I've been a player, I've found ways to just outdo myself in terms of the extracurricular investment I've put into characters here. It's the opposite um, of the Lauren arc, where every season you have less and less written on your character sheet until the end. It was yeah. just like, Lizard, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with like not doing the extracurricular. For me, it's just fun for me and also i think it kind of helps build character and then you just steal stuff from it austin and just be like hmm how can i twist this around there, um, there are different schools for, for sure of how to do character stuff like i i very very much respect your uh, ability to write out very vivid uh, descriptions and worlds and backstory i very much am like here's 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 a friendship blob what if I got to know them for nine months and then put them back in a box and never thought about them again? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Cosmignon also asked favorite Grendel NPC design, which is funny because, of course, she designed them all. Uh, we actually have we have a framed sun, moon, stars in my house. So, <laughs> Can I say my favorite running gag is the pizza rats? Oh, yeah. Pizza rats is such a good running gag. Well, Mari's Italian like, accent. Fantastic. Hey. Uh, hey. But I... I it's... It, Oh, 
Uh, favorite NBC design quickly. I really like Ruth's design. Mm -hmm. Ruth's really, really good. Yeah, I said it before. That's one of the ones that she had the most uh, like fruit, like latitude with because I didn't know how to solve it, and she just came in and just mm -hmm. nailed it. Incredible. Uh, I'm honestly torn between both Venta and Hale because their color does the colors on both of them and Hale just like is kind of adorable as like this short dragonborn type, and then when you compare that with just uh, Austin's depiction of Hale on camera as like this very boisterous, borderline cowboy esque sort of vibe, and it's really fun just to be like <laughs> to have that uh, energy going around. So yeah, those are like my top twos. I don't know where the cowboy librarian in a skirt came from, but I'm glad he's here. <laughs> it's just it just kind of yeah. came to me. Uh, uh Another question in the chat. Uh, Modified Matthew asks, how long do you all work on your characters and such before you record the first session of a season? We're currently doing pre-production for next season, so I will say uh, you don't want to see the sausage. The sausage looks bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> e even without a pre-production like official chat, uh, I will not lie and say that I do take basically months workshopping a character idea and developing the materials for it, but that's because I need it as much as anything else. Oh, my, my method is as soon as I know what the next season's like tone is, I will sit and just agonize over like, here are, here are my eight very ill-defined children. Which of you do I love most? Yep. You get to exist. <laughs> yep. I, spend, I spend way too long just being like, these are all very good nebulous thoughts. Which one of these... Which one do I want to put some of myself into? Who am I ready to care about? <laughs> I've gone with something that just, like, I've tried to fit into the theme or, like, kind of the setting a little, and then, like, I, I don't know if I've screwed myself over and wound up with a character. I, like, don't know what they're going to be yet. Um, it's but, okay like, to not know what they're going to be sometimes. It, it, there's, there's always a challenge with kind of doing a character like that, honestly. Um, oh my goodness. There's some thunder right there. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 fun part of having a character like that though is just the just the, it's it's basically like how uh, a GM will build a world as things are happening, and since you don't have everything on paper, it allows for that really clean mutual storytelling. So you know, yeah, it's a fun challenge. That's the yeah. thing I was kind of aiming for. I'm trying to make a character who fits in with the with what Austin's described for the world so far. But like, yeah, I'm still still trying to puzzle over like what they're actually going to be like as a person. Mm. Yeah, sometimes I arrive with an idea and then I open my mouth and something else entirely comes out or the, the <laughs> way the characters respond completely changes it. I think I've talked to the Discord about how the Fang Gang from season six were like a pretty important character, <laughs> group of characters that Chris saw them, turned, pushed them in a hole and walked away. And it was just like, well, I guess they're not part of the season. <laughs> um, so it was, you never know. I, I until the you know what they say, uh, the plan never survives contact with the enemy. So, <laughs> oh, um, for for slime specifically, it was coming out of well, it was at the end of the pandemic when I was like at max mentally ill. You know, I know everyone's different experiences <laughs> with it were different, um, oh. but for me, I was in a major city in the United States um, in a small room. 10 by 10 and I lost it and I was like I'm not a person anymore 
I don't know what it means to be a person. Ah! And then I was like, I want to be a slime mold. Because I watched a video. I was like, that's completely not a person at all. But it's still intelligent. I want to be that. And You just want really method with it, basically. Yeah, I was just like, I really felt like completely out of touch with being a person. Because it, it was just like, you know, like you're by yourself. You can't see your family, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, I don't know anything. And then I, of course, I'm rehashing my entire life all the time. I'm like, am I real? Uh, do I understand social contracts? I don't think I do. I'm always fucking, it, you know, it's just. And I was like, I want to be a slime mold because I've always been fascinated with alien intelligences like, mm. you know, slime molds, octopuses, stuff like that. Have you read the book Other Minds? No, I would love. It's to about. Uh, you know, uh, what are they called? Cephalopods. Um, Cephalopods? Fuck yes. Sure. Um, and uh, how they think and, and the ways that they like, pro their minds are probably very, very different to ours. Yeah, and I love that. I love that anything can be smart and be completely and totally illogical and mm. not make sense. But I also like that in some ways, Slime is an anthropologist. Because they're basically like a space person who came to an alien planet. Right. They just, they're completely like, what is that? I have no idea. This is the first time I have ever seen that. Or they can see people doing things and have no idea why, but they can put it together with other things and get it completely wrong because they literally have no social con like context and they also don't have the formation to like put it together in the same way that other people would. So I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that you, mental illness helped you get there because to, to really get in character for mold, uh, I did a lot of mushrooms and thought about <laughs> what it's like to exist and live and be an organism. And then I was just- Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I did mushrooms because my- I love that. I did mushrooms because me and my girlfriend were just doing them. It's not because of mold, but <laughs> I used that time. I genuinely did spend a lot of the trip thinking about mold and like how they think about the universe. And I was sitting on the ground, uh, <laughs> sitting at the foot of my bed with my chin on the edge of the bed, uh, just thinking about how I'm a, an ape. I'm like a chimpanzee who uh, has been conditioned to believe and think a lot of things and how alienated I am from my instincts. And like, I was literally just thinking about like how it is to exist as an animal. Austin, and stuff. It's this, is, this is fascinating, but this has been a multi-year long sting operation. We finally got you. We got you. <laughs> we got you. We got him. DEA, open up. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. This is the log con finally worked. <laughs> We finally got him to trust us. We got him. There was a question directed at Austin that I personally would like to know the answers to because I thought it was a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, so Eobus asks, how did you decide how many NPCs to make for this season and what jobs they would need to fill out the town? That's a great question. Yeah, so I, I've said before, I quote unquote write two seasons ahead. What that really means is I have like some themes I want to hit and some characters who would support it and some quests who could explore it. So it's really just a Word document with like some names, species, locations, items, stuff like that. It's not like writing, writing. Uh, but so this season going in, um, I, I wanted to talk about 
Goblin Society, specifically, oh god, this is, is going to be such a winding answer, I'm sorry. In season two, uh, there was an orc camp, and I wanted to talk about how in D&D, traditionally, orcs are genetically evil, like it's just, they are, yeah. and how psycho that is. <gasps> I love that! They just come out of mold! Oh my god, I didn't even know that until I listened to a video falling asleep listening to about them. <laughs> That's in war in Warhammer orcs are made out of mold, correctly. <laughs> yeah. In D D they're not. Oh, oh my god. I just heard orcs and I was Warhammer. <laughs> yes. In Warhammer they are fungal creatures. Isn't that so neat? And I think in Lord of the Rings they've been through a lot of shit and they used to it, be elves. It's it's also kind of funny because you and I both kind of like touched on the same we're touching on the same themes between two and three with your treatment of orcs in the orc camp in season two and like with how my character concept for Roland in season three but continue about like you know the the culture stuff that you were wanting to explore yeah so i so it would have been very easy to say in my world orcs are good fuck you gary gygax and not think about it anymore but i thought what would be more interesting right would be to portray the socioeconomic context in which they would behave quote unquote canonically, but instead of it just being genetic predestination, it is in fact a result of material circumstances. Uh, and right. I, we did that and I like season two, but I felt like we could have done more. And so I right. basically I thought, let's make a goblin village. Let's tell the story from the goblins perspective. Or as I've said before, it literally season eight was orc season and then everyone turned in goblinoid characters. So I switched orc to goblin, but that's, that's the root of it was I wanted a do over on the orcish perspective. Huh. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I sat down and thought of like, what are some characters who could portray things about this insular society? What are the roles they would have? Uh, you know, just like very basic stuff like trash and food and grave digging. Uh, so a lot of that was just practical trying to show that perspective. Ten like how many NPCs uh, it was partially it was a round number. Um, I thought about doing 12 for a while. It was 12 because I was going to have one for each of the Zodiac signs. Huh. Um, yep. And, and then people said to me like Homestuck already did that. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. Skitch uh, wanted to make uh, his own Zodiac. And so we, we, we audibled there. Uh, it could have been more or less 10. Isn't like, uh, I'm not like 10 wasn't important to me spiritually and psychologically to have 10 it started as 12 it could have been 14 it could have been eight um but it was just like how many roles how many different things did i have to say uh in portraying that and we haven't gotten deep in the paint on goblin culture as it's written in the book like we talked about magoubliette last episode the god who created goblins uh but i still think we have we're getting an interesting perspective because there is so much non-human yeah discussion like slime is the obvious one just like i don't know how any of this works when you were talking Uh, oh uh when you were talking about this preseason, it's one of the things that drew me to the idea of the squiddling when you brought it up as a concept because i was like yes illithids that's another thing that would fit really nicely into the idea of let's you know take the 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 Character types that are usually p- painted in D anD D is just the evil ones, and be like, no, let's mush a couple of them together. From my perspective, I thought it was also funny when I initially proposed, like, when I initially saw, hmm, there hasn't been a druid since season one as like a mainline character. Okay, I like this idea for a star druid. At your, well, you wrote that's an interesting choice. I thought that was really like that's not the right choice you should be making. Skits, you should be thinking something else. And then you noted how about the uh, leaning into the Zodiac stuff. And that led me into that whole multi-month project of trying to figure out the Zodiac for the season, which 
we still have to explore more of at some point, but... <laughs> uh, Octopus Grift asks, with Lauren and Conrad gone, who is the most on substances while recording? Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants... fucking Austin with your mushrooms. Yeah. I, am st- I am stone sober during recording. <laughs> I can't... <laughs> I can't do anything, otherwise I can't be creative. Like, I think I'm the only person in the world who becomes less creative. Like... <laughs> Laura, is it me or you? <laughs> Laura, is it me or you? <laughs> Which one is it? I plead silence. <laughs> That's the correct answer. You've, you solved my puzzle. Um, I do want to say, though, uh, I used to do a lot of coke, cocaine. Jesus. I used to uh, drink a lot of caffeine. Uh, start, I started in so, law school. So oh. did you do cocaine? Or? I've never done cocaine. No, I've been in a lot of places where people were doing cocaine, and they've offered it to me, and I've always uh, said Oh, no. you were in law school. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah. I've dated lawyers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know how they are. Terrible, yeah. monstrous, awful, um, truly the worst. <laughs> I was drinking like a gallon of coffee a day. It was completely un- unacceptable, un uh, you know tenable. Uh, and then my best friend Chris Larios had a stroke, uh, and I decided I'm done with caffeine. So I, I'm I'm. He, I don't know if you ever heard this podcast before, but Chris loves to yeah. brag about, I had four monsters today. I'm six Red Bulls deep. Oh, my God. And then uh, it was like, oh, I this is needs to stop. As a person who, as a person who made it to nearly, th- nearly 30 and then got diagnosed with ADHD, I was a caffeine addict and a half for a long time. When people say, like, oh, I have four monsters a day, like, I don't know what it is. I just immediately think about their pee. And how awful it is. <laughs> Let's just take a moment of silence to think about Chris's pee, and then we can resume like, the Like, it has to be dark oh, brown. God. It just has to be. Oh, my God. Oh, oh gosh. God. No, I don't want to think anymore about this bodily function. Well, if you don't want that to happen to you, drink water. Advanced Lesbionics asks, Laura, what kind of pet do you want for Neelith? Uh, clearly Nobi. Uh, they're going to become best friends. Neelith's going to be like, yeah, Nobi, you're, 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 my, you're my pet now. That's clearly Nobi and Neelith are gonna going to have a spin-off show where they're buddy cops on a road trip. Yeah, and if Nobi does truly become evil, you can psionically force them to be good. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the slime solution again. Yeah. Advanced Lesbian asks a question. I'm going to answer just briefly uh, about um, for Skitch. If you ever find a way to bring the Valmont back around, do you think you'll keep it traditional, go for a twist? So I've said this before. I've struggled to come up with a clean way to have like a Valamin cameo or lineage continuation post season six. Um, just because like that, that's what I need to kind of figure out how that all that would work out. The universe um, fucking just went. That makes it kind of tricky. <laughs> yeah, and the question is, you know, is the Feywild safe? I don't know. I'm going to assume no, uh, and otherwise. And so, like, for me, if they say, well, we'll be traditional, go for a twist, my response is yes. Uh, I'll say a point blank. One of my ideas for a season six character would have been a Valamin that was actually a changeling that was also every single member of a pop band. At the same time, just that was like my idea for a season six character. Um, but so I like traditional twist. It's kind of up in the air, but I'm still looking for a way to bring something back. But it might be more referential and less less in person. So mm. that's that. Alaris, conduit of servitude, asks: Are we allowed to ask if there's a specific reason you themed the enemies this season as yokai? Since it's obvious at that point, this is what at this point that they are. Um, so if you listen to the show, you know normally I try to have some kind of 
cohesion in the antagonistic forces. Last season was Elementals. Before that was Outsiders. Five was just the detritus of spe- uh, Spelljammer, uh, stuff like that. Um, so the the first thing I thought was like, what a kind of enemies live on a mountain? <laughs> and it's like Frost Giants and Yetis, I guess. But we had a Yeti already, and I don't, I don't want to just do a straight Yeti. So I was thinking about like what you know, creatures are associated with mountains and yokai are. So that's the, that's the boring answer. Also, uh, just because, um, you know, I find a lot of that mythology fascinating and I think it definitely ties in to some of the themes about like otherness that we're exploring because it's like mm-hmm. uh, goblins are to humans as like yokai can be to goblins, I guess. It's like, what what is an, an other to the already othered? Um, and so we're, we're getting there. I can't say too much, obviously, cause you haven't met the Kitsune yet. You don't know what they're about, but th- there's stuff going on here. It's, I don't know if it's deep. It's like, I've thought about it, but I'm not claiming to have some kind of piercing insight. Jade, the rascally coconut asks, if you had to control an NPC for an arc, which one would you pick? Yeah, and... Sophie, which NPC would you control? <laughs> right. It's, uh, Austin tried to get me to do this once already. So I would like to control... Archibald Penoir, the master detective. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, probably Hale. I like how he wants to fight everyone. <laughs> he wants to fight everyone, and, and he lives in a library. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, well, Hale, Hale is a fucking dope, uh, dope-ass guy, so I'm like, yeah, that, that's what I want to be. Someone who just who's confident and not sad all the time. I I like the thought of Ruth just because I want Austin to tell me all of the season secrets and then have my <laughs> challenge for the rest of the season be how the fuck do I communicate this without saying it? Can I do an interpretive dance? Like what what can I do to help the party here? Yeah, that would be a fun puzzle. I mean, Mari is also controlling an NPC. Last episode we recorded, you just did Sun Moon Star's voice, so I guess she's yours now. <laughs> I just was like, oh, how do I do this? So I guess I'm just two people in one body, and I've been thinking over my head, geez, I better make the voices a little bit more distinct. But I have some great plans for the future for Slime Moon Stars, because now that we're one, there's a, there's a great surprise. I'd like to invite Neelith over <gasps> to our home. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, well. <laughs> it's not a wait. three-way. It's not a three-way. You, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's not a three-way. Are you sure it's not a three-way? It could be. Are you sure? It sounds a lot like it's a three-way. <laughs> I, te- I texted Leon the other day, and I was like, you want to go to a movie? It's not a three-way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that. Oh, oh. No, it's ominous, not sexy. It's ominous. Look, if that's what it is, you're going to have to actively tell Neelith that because she can't <laughs> mind read anymore, which means she has no clue what the fuck's going oh, on. Oh, so Neelith is going to walk in. Oh, this is a three-way, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, the alternative, if you're embarrassed to say it, is to go, hey, Neelith, you have permission to read our minds. Uh, you should do Ooh. You should do that, probably. Wow. And then wow. Neelith mind reads and goes, oh, Okay, I see what okay, this is. and then you're gonna read and be like, "That was not a three-way." I'm upset. <laughs> uh, this is the plot of uh, the Knife of Never Letting Go, which was just made into a film called Chaos Walking, yeah. which I also saw with Leon. Where uh, there's a play where women can read all of men's minds, and it causes complete societal breakdown because they're so nasty. Oh God, I don't want to. I don't uh. want to. I don't. So. I, I very vaguely remember that story, and isn't there, isn't there a whole thing where, like, w- one person of one gender can't do the gendered thing that's meant to happen, like, they can't have their mind read or something? That's a thing, right? 
I haven't read the book in the film in the film they do avoid this. The whole time I was waiting for like, what if someone's non non-binary? How does this extremely gendered premise work? This is what I was gonna say, is that book series completely squandered the opportunity to be like, oops, they're trans. Right. Got him. Uh, it's not a good movie, but I did find it very funny and fascinating. It stars Daisy Ridley and Tom <laughs> Holland and Mads Mikkelsen. Everybody's in it. Yeah. And- yeah. Whoa, I like all those actors and I'm not going to watch this movie. <laughs> but with high con- with high concept movies like that, like I I enjoy the movies that are high concept that are difficult to pull off. And um, I haven't seen it, but usually they're very bad. But they take a very interesting premise and try and work with it, but the the essence of the topic is hard to work with because it's so not within reality, I guess. I think it, it will be a cult classic someday. I think someone someone influential will discover it and spread the message of what a weird fucking thing it is. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is going to be like several weeks after when you hear this audience, but I did go to the movies with Leon Renegade Cut Thomas, and we saw a movie called Pig, and it fucking rules. You should go see Pig. It's <gasps> Nicolas Cage, right? It is Nicolas Cage. He's on a fucking winning streak recently. Colorado like Mandy, Space. Colorado Mandy. Space. Yeah. Sorry to circle back, but there is a movie called The Screwfly Solution, which is a part of the Masters of Horror collection. And in that Masters of Horror movie slash episode, the Screwfly Solution is based off of a thing where they made a bunch of male flies, whatever. And then... What's happening is they make all the men on Earth become extremely aggressive, and that's how they get rid of the population. But there's, like, one of the friends of this lady who is, like, a, f- a male like male presenting, but they're very effeminate, and they, like, are the last to go. I don't know if that's like, applies to your thoughts or anything. I don't even know where we are anymore. I just dice funk is a, a, a shot of gender every week, and I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to just say... To that I cannot take any movie that has a the blank solution seriously ever have ever since I saw the peanut butter solution because that movie has just what is that oh the peanut butter solution is a uh frightening movie uh that is supposedly supposed to be for kids but I'm not sure whose kids it is and um it, it's very Canadian it features one of the first like major hits for Celine Dion apparently and it's just uh, English hits for Celine Dion it's just it's weird I just anyways just I just had to get that thought out have you been telling sorry this is Sigil asks have you been telling the kind of story you thought you wanted to tell with your character has where they've gone surprised you I I I feel like um us having sort of a middle of the season let's decide on a form of what is punishment for crime and then playing that out I feel like has necessitated that that becomes a question of okay is that working Mm. yeah I think like uh, you know Laura messaged me and was like do you want to be on this on this uh, D&D podcast and it records on Tuesday Do you want... <laughs> and I was like okay I'll come up with a character then right now um, and like f- from that perspective like Philippa um, the story I you know wanted to tell with Philippa was more like retrofitted I was like what's this season about I have to listen to it to catch up okay it's kind of about policing and systems of justice I'm going to make a character who like has a lot of thoughts on that and then I, it just gives me a mouthpiece to just like have that conversation so in as far as like Philippa got to do a big speech at the trial of the genius yeah hell yeah I, t- I told the hell out of that story 
<laughs> yeah, um, you sure did. Now I think that there will be repercussions on on what she proposed, exactly like Laura's saying. Uh, because like now she's in charge and like that system is in place. So it's like now we're testing it. And I think so in that regard, like, yeah, really, really getting to test that out. Um for for me, so far I have told the story I wanted to be telling. I think where things are going after this episode, I think things are going to start deviating away from what I had planned. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that Mm. things are heading in directions that aren't what I thought the character's arc was going to be when we started. But I'm really excited for where things are going. So, yeah. We'll give it some time. I think it's going to go away from what I thought it was going to be. Uh for Aze's character and story, it's mostly been what I have expected. I think the biggest change has been that the further along in the season, the more I sort of recognized that it would be impossible for Aze to have lived inside of Grendel for as long as he has without developing more strong feelings about the majority of, if not the entirety of the community. And... And leaning into that as like his focal point. So it's less like, um, it, it's less of like, oh, just uh, having a thing regarding vibes of other people. And otherwise, it's more like this is really him embracing in a similar way that Ruth and others are that this is his home. This is kind of where this is his family by extension. And that's really kind of informing what he's worried about alongside the other story things I have set up that Austin has augmented and ramped up in the way he always does. <clears throat> and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, the other side of Aze that's been fun to tell has just been ex- excessively delving into this uh, cosmology, astrology sort of stuff mm. in a way and trying to make it f- paint this added layer of, um, you know, just world building, which I, I always feels like an extension of the storytelling I want to do is world building too. Yeah. Mari, what about your... Uh, how do you feel about the story you've been telling with Slime? I think um, my idea for Slime was that Slime would be happy with whatever outcome happens because they're basically exploring a completely unknowable world to them. So their main goal is just to absorb what's around them, good or bad. Mm. Because to them, like, oh, I'm on fire, guess I'll die. Like, you know... <laughs> Um, like that's how I feel. I think the only thing that would truly upset Slime was that they built these relationships, and if they all died, or yeah, you know, because it seems that Slime would has been trying very hard to understand what it is to not network with somebody and still build a community with them, which is part of the reason why Slime likes being right. Um a part of the community in a way that contributes is because they find it enjoyable and interesting. But they haven't had someone yet who was, they had that kind of relationship with where they weren't like slime connected to them and they lost that person. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That would have a huge impact on slime. 
You say the word community. I also, just for the trivia section on whatever wiki <laughs> you're typing this into, listener, uh, community was going to be the original form before uh, all of the people getting in each other's bodies, uh, like <laughs> in the pre-production right. slime and thinking about uh, the quarry, which I had planned the audience. Mm. I mean, obviously the players didn't know, but I Illithid knew. stuff. Yeah, yeah, Illithid stuff. So that uh, community and symbiosis obviously are related concepts, but mm. it narrowed yeah. the scope for me. Um. Yeah. In terms of like whether characters were what we expected them to be, like one other thought I've had is, I knew from the start of the season I wanted Neelith to be a character who very much wanted to be liked by everyone in town, and I didn't know how that was going to manifest. I initially had anticipated it being a lot more Neelith being very needy to people, mm. and what it's ended up being is the I will be very self-sacrificial to make sure other people are okay without really thinking about the consequences to herself. That's really interesting. It's almost like the... It's kind of the same quality, but in a different um, aspect. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. It's not a difference in who the character is, it's just a difference in how that has come across. I think it's coming across in a more interesting way by being like... Right. As, as like, again, we talked earlier that, like, I, I put a little bit of the neurodiversity stuff into Neelith, and as someone that didn't used to know how to make friends, and my method was, I'll just do everything for you at the expense of myself, and maybe you'll like me. I feel like there's a bit of that with Neelith. Of, oh my goodness. Like, mm -hmm. if I agree to take all the consequences for you, will you like me now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So that's, that's a whole thing. Also, I... I feel like, considering that the start of the season, I was like desperate to feel connection to everyone in town and and whatnot. I feel like I, d I feel like the whole stop reading people's minds and making me with uncomfortable about like oh 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 is that a problem? Is definitely going to impact character that really wants to understand and be liked by everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's similar to that. That's also why I, I like the way that Austin at this point has presented how at least some of the people in the village have misgivings or trust issues regarding Aze because, you know, similar to Neelith, you know, Aze's uh, viewing and care for the community means that if the community doesn't trust him, then there's this lopsided relationship where... Uh, he cares deeply about the this group of people, but they aren't reciprocating, and he's conflicted about what he has to do to fix that, or if that's something that he should fix in the first place. So, so what yeah. you're suggesting I, is you want a two-sided relationship that goes back and forth, like a sort of symbiosis almost. <laughs> well... Maybe. I mean, uh, like, listen, if, if it, the only thing that would be really funny is if the full fact, if, if the fact that the whole idea of the constellations is that, you know, once like one constellation is good, but two constellations together are better. And if that plays into the theme for the season somehow, Austin, you know, <laughs> God damn it. You, you did it again. Where like something that I wasn't even thinking about somehow plays dead into the core theme of the season. <laughs> I, um, just wanted to answer the, the same question but for Cat and Nobi and also like somebody else asked uh, uh, Aileros 
conduit of servitude asked uh, did the idea for the dream team really start out as a joke and then you ran with it and what else if you can say might you have been considering and what was kind of what and was it was it disappointing to jump to a new character so soon uh, and i'll try and keep it brief because i know i already answered for philippa a whole bunch but like um so compounding this and the question about like the story you want to tell like um I'm so pumped about like where the story is going for the dream team at the moment. Like both of those stories, I think it's going fantastically. Really happy with it. Um, I uh, to answer the thing about like how much it was it a joke thing. Like it was an option that Austin presented to me. I've already talked a little bit about what my like kind of my pitch was, but like um, I had a whole thing planned with Novi. Like, but but purely as comic relief. Like. Austin was doing this back and forth where he kept on like voicing Nobi and making him like an egregious little shithead. <laughs> and so I was just like, as the first few episodes panned out like that, I was, I had, I was thinking like, we're all like lefties and we're all talking about policing and we've all like approached the, the, the thing as like, okay, how do we solve policing? What if police were nice? Uh, and then I just thought like it would be funny to introduce a character who just is a cop, like the way that cops actually are cops like and so it was just planned as this kind of camp comic relief thing that like nobi's reactions to things were going to be like really really copish and then like uh i have been given a lot more room to expand on that and turn that into much more of a thing so you know i i um that's basically what the situation is with that conduit of corvids asks not really a question please do other rpg systems besides D D. um <laughs> <laughs> and my answer is uh, that uh, Bugs Bunny no <laughs> screenshot. Um, if you uh-huh. if you want to hear other tabletop role playing systems, I would recommend Rolling with Rainbows, which is another podcast. You check out I- Rolling with Rainbows; it's great. I've heard it's good. A lot of people seem to like it. More and more people are saying this. Many such cases. <laughs> uh, it's tremendous. It's tremendous stuff. Uh, no, but if that's that's a totally valid uh, thing to do is make a podcast about exploring tabletop systems. That's not what Dice Funk is. Dice Funk is a storytelling podcast that uses D and D as a tool. Yeah. So I'm I'm not personally interested in the rules so much not that they can't be used to tell stories but and i will say i've already asked austin you know and he might come on and play some other systems over on my podcast so if you want to hear specifically austin playing some other systems i i'll huh? also chime in i'll also chime in and point out that a lot of kind of like what the storytelling is about in dice funk in some cases is doing analysis and commentary about D beyond just the mechanics and so being within the system, I think, kind of pairs well when doing that analysis, which is stuff that we've done in three, two, four, um, five, six, seven. Like on all these seasons, there's things we're doing that are about more than just the game, but also like the themes presented within its canon and what about them and otherwise. By keeping with one system, it means that when a new season rolls around, all we need to be thinking about is character and story and not having to learn and be consciously thinking about a new system that we may not have tried, which definitely makes that transition a little easier between seasons. Yeah, I mean, I've listened to a lot of other, you know, tabletop podcasts for research for the show and for my own enjoyment, and I've heard shows that change systems, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not going to name any where it doesn't, to not be a 
rude bitchy person uh, I, but, I can certainly think of a couple where it doesn't <laughs> yeah and where it's like oh now instead of enjoying the the thing i'm here for which is like your chemistry and your story your characters your jokes mm-hmm. now i'm hearing you struggle with uh what to roll and that's not interesting but there are shows where it does work friends at the table big fan uh these are people who are intensely uh curious about role playing and tabletop as art forms <clears throat> so mm-hmm. that they're much better at it. And I think it works because that's what's interesting about the show is them jumping from system to system and exploring what they can do and why that's just not what we're doing here, which is fine. Um, you know, you can't be mad at uh, Lord of the Rings for not being uh, when Harry met Sally. It's just, <laughs> they're different things. You should all go listen to Rolling with Rainbows. <laughs> uh, that's the only conclusion we can draw from this entire Q and a go listen to Rolling with Rainbows. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Azalea, said, not a question. Azalea just says in italics, continues banging on the table for thirsty sword lesbians one shot. <laughs> <laughs> not only uh, is that in the works, I feel like there might be multiple people who have expressed interest in doing a thirsty sword lesbians one shot. So uh, I definitely want them. I want as many one shots as possible for this. I have some. I, I want to do some some one shots. I need to do a one shot at some point of the game I helped make a while Ooh. back, Kissing in the Weird Future. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So at some point, I, I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to do weird alien dating. I still have my terrible idea for one shot where it's five players, each playing a character from a different edition of D&D, and all the rules are internally consistent. That <laughs> oh would be God. better for. Yes. No, no, no. The best part about it, Austin, is the fact that. An enemy's stat block changes depending on who's attacking it. Whoa. Um, this this would be this would be best for like a live convention thing where there's a lot more just like the joke is in the trying to keep on top of what's going on rather than do it in audio form. I still think it's a funny idea that would work though. Yeah. That's um, a, that's it, we've talked about this before. That's another thing is because this is a podcast, certain things work better or worse than they would work in like video or live yes. uh, presentation. So like Absolutely. critical role is a big thing. A lot of people love it's important for this entire, you know, genre of medium. Uh but it's like they can do things well they're also much better actors not to be, you know, <laughs> self-deprecating of ourselves. But it's just the the vibe is different for for live than it is for a podcast. Uh, editing like there's a whole lot of stuff taken into consideration there i feel like we could if we were on camera in the same room we might play more games because it kind of, it's kind of fun to see your friends fucking around and like oh, what's what page is that on up uh, well, on a yeah. podcast when i'm on on a treadmill or something i don't want to hear that <laughs> so that's also another thought uh that's, absolutely there's a lovely question in the the thread that i want to answer from Adva- advanced lesbotronics uh, Laura, what kind of party is Neelith planning for when the genius pops out the time portal five years from now? <laughs> I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. Get prepared for this. Um, Neelith is going to make a enormous cake. I'm talking absolutely enormous. Biggest cake you've ever seen. Shaped like a brain. And it's going to be right there where this portal's, you know, expected to pop up. And it's just going to have the genius's brain in big letters above it, so the genius comes out of the time portal and goes, Aha, you've recognised how wonderfully smart I am. I feel like that's the best greeting I could offer. Speaking of Chris Larios, uh, I am going to be on Weekly Manga Recap. Uh, Tomorrow is when I'm recording. I don't know when you will be able to hear that, uh, so... I assume it's going to be a podcast stuff. You should also just follow them on Twitch and Patreon and so forth. Yeah. So, once again, shout out to Chris. Uh, I got a question here. Uh, Azalea asks, what is the process for choosing a Dice Funk theme song look like, generally speaking? Uh, so yeah, why don't you all tell me about how I choose songs? 
you 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 got someone to make this one. I know that this season you got someone to make one. Oh yeah, my friend Rachel. I actually lived in her house for a little bit there uh, during the beginning of COVID. I don't know if that's a story worth telling, <laughs> but uh, she is she is an artist. She's a guitarist. She's uh, you know she has a degree in music. She's like you know a big deal. She records in like studios and stuff. She's she's not like a rando. Uh, and I said. Uh, you know, actually, she did a song last season for Warmwood. Yes. She did the the Rebels song um, that was like in character, sung by a character named Charlie. Um, anyway, uh, ah, yes, that's what. It, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mentioned to her that like we're doing a winter season. The ideal vibe would be uh, White Winter Hymnal by the Fleet Foxes, who is one of my favorite bands, obviously. Yep. Um, See season two. <laughs> when, yeah, every location in season two is named after a Fleet Foxes song. I am who I am. Yes. Um, and I th- originally, when I mentioned that to her, she tried. She started like writing, rewriting the lyrics, which because that song she wrote for season seven, a completely original song and lyrics. So she was going to do like the the melody from White Winter Hymnal, but with like lyrics about the characters and setting and stuff. And I was like, Rachel, that's way too much work. <laughs> you have a life. You have stuff going on. It's fine to just do a normal cover. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah. So that that this is very new and unique. Previously, I just I have a, a brain sickness about video game music. Like I know all the yep. names of all the tracks <laughs> for all my favorite video game soundtracks, and so whenever something happens, I'm like, oh, this is just like the vibe of Cold Steel Coffin from Near. It's just I just know these things. Oh my and, god! And I just go pull a, a you know a cover that uh, the person you know on their you know channel or whatever says it's fine to use. I usually use Overclocked Remix because they have a standing pod see that it's okay to use their stuff so i try never never to use uh copyright righted music which is funny because i listen to a lot of other podcasts like chapo trap house will just play rolling stones they don't give a fuck so i probably don't need to be like this but i try not to use copyrighted music i i know there was that one season where you asked very nicely to um oh um oh neil sisierga neil sisierga yeah yeah he gave me permission that was cool i dm'd with him and he said i could use uh redesign your logo uh, yep, yep, that was fun. There was that one season where you got permission from someone who still got content ID'd on YouTube, which was funny because YouTube's algorithm is terrible with that. But the worst. Anyways. I think the one time I ever broke my own rule was uh, when we talked about Little Green Bag, which I played a distorted clip of for a joke. Yep. Uh, and YouTube still noticed. So yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing I'll add is I, I I will just throw this that I have on multiple occasions asked to do something music wise for it. And that, and I, I know from your perspective, it is trying to not put more work, undo work on me that kept me from doing like theme songs. But inadvertently, now I'm collaborating with Rachel with this stuff, which is great. And I think it's helping uh, kind of bridge all those little gaps together. So it, it's been very fun. I need to do a behind the scenes of how I did the arrangement work for that, by the way. I promised that on the Patreon. On my side, I gotta actually make that video now that the track is available for purchase from Rachel's site too, which is fun. Yeah, we say this all the time, but we should just say again that Skitch does do a lot of work, and you're you're humble about the fact that you put that song together. Uh, I do all the editing. A lot of people think that you do the editing or something. No. I do the editing. You do everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the video assembly, the the denoising, and in the case of this year's song, the the, the brag I'll do is do the entire arrangement and production work on it in about 24 hours after receiving the files. Wow. <laughs> that was, uh, it was fun though. It was very fun to put that together. Uh, but I think, yeah, from, from 
from my perspective, when it came to the past seasons, the process Austin goes through is all of a sudden he picks a song. I'm like, well, I guess that's the song for the season. All right. Put put a title sequence that looks good with it. Mm. Done. (laughs) Yeah, I just try to I just try to be a vibe uh, connoisseur and just feel the vibe and put the vibe. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Notably in season four, the vibe kept changing. So the song kept changing. (laughs) You could tell. Um, Mm hmm. Let's see. Any other questions? I uh, I like this question for Austin. If someone else were jamming this season, what kind of player character would you make? Oh, fuck. That's incredible. I am the forever GM. I've only ever been a character once in this show's six years. That's because you're such a good DM. Well, th- thank you. That's very <laughs> sweet. You're real good. <laughs> I, I People have noticed a lot. Uh, you know, there's that's the one character I played would have been extremely difficult to DM. <laughs> So um, that's the kind of person I am. Um, let's. I, I think if I was going to do a character, uh, it wouldn't have been any of the NPCs, but it would have been someone uh, invested in the town and a lot. So I, right. I think Justin McElroy talked about this on one of uh, his podcasts once about how he tends to make characters who don't care about the plot, and he has started to regret that. Um, it's very easy um, to just be like, my character's a loner and they're going to get what they're going to get and they just want treasure and fame or whatever. And it's a lot harder to be like, I care about these people. I'm invested. Right. I'm, I'm, I am hallucinating that this is real. And <laughs> like, that's what we're all doing here. We're all having a group hallucination about people. Why don't you role play as like God? <laughs> I, I will say, Austin, that that was... After, like, Elias in season two, like, for Roland, for Adam Martis, and for Aze, like, that making the character that cares about, like, the area around them in particular is such a useful tool because it makes buying into the hooks, buying into what's going on a lot easier. And it, oh, geez, I just need to think of all the moments, even with Aze right now, just like, okay, this is so easy for me to mentally just get into because it's like, yeah, he, of course he cares. And yeah, being too dispassionate about what's going on can be a problem unto itself, I suppose. You should DM and then roleplay as God, and then we have to kill you at the end of the season so that you stop <laughs> abusing your power over us to control our lives. That's just the plot to the Final Fantasy Legend or Saga 1. Well, so. I never fucking played that game. I, this is an original idea. Do not steal. I think that's very true, though, what you said, Austin. Like, I think a lot of people... Uh, I think there is like a, a noticeable pattern, uh, maybe among like newer role players, but like yeah, a noticeable pattern among a lot of people like only want to play Han Solo. Basically, like right. everyone just wants to be Han Solo. They don't want to be Obi Wan Kenobi, even though actually like that's kind of the character who gives a lot more like backbone to the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I feel like you can get away with doing a Han Solo if you have a plan for here's how I'm going to make you see that Han Solo's actually kind of insecure and really just wants to be friends with everyone and will be part of the team but you got to you got to right you got to be willing to put those Yeah I mean in I mean like I uh my friend uh Jess who's the the co-host of Rolling with Rainbows like um ran the Lancer one shot one time and it was supposed to all be resolved because it was a one shot and um, I made a character who was kind kind of like in it for themselves, but I decided to go totally the, like the other way with it, where like I figured, what is this kind of person like? It's not that they're just like acting like a cold dickhead to everyone all the time. It's actually that they like are such a social butterfly. They like real they they define their needs based on like what people in front of them want, and like <laughs> it just led to that character doing a war crime because they were like. 
they they they, they just misread the situation incredibly horribly. <laughs> like, they were just like, I think this is what everyone else here is ge- geared up to do, uh, so I want to do this. <laughs> To actually answer the question, if I made a character and this was somebody else DMing, I think I'd probably play a cleric or paladin of Varys' faith. Uh, bec- I just tend oh. to gravitate towards religious stuff because I'm interested in it. Oh, gosh. And uh, that would give me an in- inborn relationship to care about something in the village. So probably a goblin. Gosh. Who's, yeah. That would have been, like, it, it would, it would have been, it would have been like a different take on the Roland concept because there's a different triac de- de- deity system that you're invoking in there. So... Can yeah. I ask a que- like uh, a question from me, Sophie? Uh, on, on that, like, I <laughs> no, you have to type it into the you have to type it into the Discord. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, um, I on that, like, I've been really curious about Varys' faith, and I don't know how much because uh, I'm in the middle of a, a relist, and I don't know how much this is a pre-established thing or anything, and I'm I'm just yeah, I'm just really curious about it. So, like, um, how much of Varys' faith do you have figured out? Where does it kind of come from? Um, if you are particularly interested in religion, kind of, do you have particular thoughts about it and how it fits into the world or features that you find interesting about it or anything like this? Yeah, I mean, I have a long history on this show of being fucking annoying about it. I, I'm an ordained minister, Episcopalian. I have a degree in religion. Um, I'm an atheist as well, which is a fun <laughs> contrast. <laughs> I think it's all very fascinating, and I also think it's extremely fake. Yep. Um, but uh, as far as far as actually varies stuff is concerned, um, is I feel like some people want the mystery, and I don't shouldn't say it outright. I will say if you listen to the back to the other seasons, you will discover a pattern mm. in various deity. There is definitely a pattern in, oh, all three of those deities um, make sense when viewed through a certain lens. Lens. Yeah. Uh Okay. I'll also chime in, Austin, that this is one of those areas where you and I have such similar vibes. I mean, I'm not ordained, but like my upbringing being in a Christian background and otherwise and having that same like deep fascination about religion, but also being like, it's also kind of real fake, y'all. Um it's really just funny because then we both end up being on the same page when it comes to some of these concepts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, with very specifically, I also wanted to kind of contrast what I've done in previous seasons in which religious figures are almost universally malicious. Mm. Um, yes. I didn't like set out to do the JRPG God is an evil crystal dragon thing, but God is usually an evil crystal dragon in Dice Funk. So I wanted very to just be like a nice guy who wants to help the community and like, is the stuff he believes real? Like, I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, re- it is, no, I'll say, I do know that it is real, just not in the way that he thinks it is. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so he's, yeah. It, it, is it more of a, a, um, a pantheistic religion or is it closer to the Holy Trinity? Uh, so yeah, it's obviously there's a, it's a joke about the Trinity, but if an mm-hmm. actual practice, no, it's, it's more like, uh. Uh, filial piety or like ancestor worship it's just like right. he uh, really okay. respects respects these people and there are some uh you know the rituals and some practices associated with it i guess it's like closest to like shinto oh i just like um i've been doing a lot of research for um a video i'm gonna do in my monster men series about vampires and uh for various reasons this has led me to a lot of sort of amateur research into religion in the kind of way that you're talking about like you uh in in the kind of stuff that you have a degree in (laughs) like um but like um yeah i i've just been like 
thinking a lot recently about how like sort of uh, ancient Mesopotamian gods emerged as like um uh, sort of like city-state mascots and they're sort of like very depowered compared to what we generally think of now like mm-hmm. sort of the creator of the universe is completely omnipotent and stuff like this and like there's an interesting like kind of sliding scale of like how powerful gods are and what kind of and it changes based not only on like what the beliefs are but also like the way that they arrange into pantheons or monotheistic religions or or what have you so yeah i, I guess i was just kind of curious about like about uh, uh, what the arrangement of the belief system is and like also i mean you've answered it if it's you know like you said closer <laughs> to ancestor worship i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to make another question out of this i just yeah like it's it's really interesting I, 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 I just think, I just also think it's just kind of fun and coincidental that there's that overlap between the small community uh, season having a focal having a religious focal point around a three deity entity with what happened with Ilium. So it's like there's that like interesting coincidence, but I don't think it's I don't think that was necessarily intentional with what your choice was there, Austin. So uh, well, it was definitely a contrast. Yeah, in Ilium, there's the the Trinity, and there are three classically like powerful species creating you know cloud gods. And now in this season, which mirrors it in a lot of ways, I mean you know it's talking about justice and community a lot. Uh, it's like th- three people who are were just mortals. I mean, Varius said that he's like they lived, they walked around, they you know fucked and ate and shit. Like, right. They were they were people, uh, and it's like <laughs> he he thinks they're neat. <laughs> he thinks you should be more like them. Marge Simpson meme with Vary. Yeah, he doesn't think that they created cosmoses <laughs> or anything. Yeah, he just right. thinks they're cool. And so, yeah, exact opposite of the Trinity, that which must be respected because they created planes and peoples. That's really cool. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that thoroughly answered my question. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to look for one for Slime or Mari. Mari stepped away for the I, moment. No, uh, I've, 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 okay, okay, I haven't been peeing for 10 minutes. All right. Well, I, I, I didn't see the timestamp on it, so. Uh, Mari, here's a question I found for you. How did you get so cool and good at being <laughs> who, who asked that question? Nobody. <laughs> Someone in the chat. What was that username? <laughs> Did Not it Laura. say Mari on it? It's the same it's me. person who asked I Mari. Asked. I asked, okay. <laughs> I'm not good at D&D, but I am good at maladaptive daydreaming. So, Hey, that is 90% of being on a D&D podcast. Right. D&D is maladaptive daydreaming with dice. <laughs> Yeah, with other people. If you maladaptive daydream with other people, is that... If, if other people get in on your maladaptive daydream and daydream along with you as their own maladaptive de- <laughs> daydreaming characters, you're fine. I think if I could wire people into my brain and like be like, all right, today's adventure is this, I would make so much money. Because I'd be like, this is amazing. This is dope. And I'm like, yeah, it's great in here. The Don't go of- out. The end of Slime's arc is that she becomes a professional, a professional DM. Oh my gosh! Absorbing people and then taking them on mind adventures. (laughs) I literally could do that. I could be the alien from Beyond the Whatever Rift. What the Azula Rift? Not Azula. Whatever. (laughs) I always thought, why were you horrified? You could do anything you want. Why are you scared of this alien? She's awesome. This is the yeah. best. I'd be like, dude, you can make me see all the. Don't even show me the ship. I kind Let's of, go to Disney World. I kind like- of, I kind of, I guess I kind of felt like that was like uh, them stuck in a cycle. Like every time that he wakes up and he's afraid of her, she like m- wipes his memory. 
That's what I'm saying. If he was cool, he, <laughs> he or she just would have been like, listen, what's up? And he'd yeah. be like, yeah, I don't need to see. I'm just going to stay here. I know. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the last question I'm going to read out of the chat, I think, because we reached the end of our recording session, is from ISO, who says, if conduits were still a thing, what conduits would each member of the Moist Watch be? Uh, for N- Mari, I guess, who hasn't heard this. I don't know how far you are in season four. Sophie, uh, conduits are basically stands. <laughs> it's like, what kind of power would you have? Oh. It's, it's specifically like, hey, what if your one defining character trait became a power? Yeah, it- so like, what's what's the one word, what's the one word that summarizes like, this would be my character's one word mm. that would become a thing. Yeah, uh, it's an extension of the platonic ideals being a thing and being a tangible connection to them and such uh like i've been told that there's a cartoon that recently uh started airing that has the same premise which is also another reason why it has become less prominent in the show because if i can't have it uh, (laughs) yeah like like, yeah uh uh like the ants like people have like things for uh, i'm just like i have no idea like honestly like figure out like what conduit someone is for me is usually like an end of the season thing because that's a looking back matter. Um, yeah, I just looked it up. The show is called Epithet Erased, and it says this is a great uh, summary of it. It says people are born with powers attached to their souls, known as epithets. An epithet stems from a single word that can grant its user any kind of power. So yeah, this this TV show has the same premise. It debuted in 2019. Let's see when I added. Os- yeah. Austin, it is impossible for you to come up with any idea anymore without someone going, "Yeah, we'll have that." <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's also just it stands. I took I took it from JoJo. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm I I know I'm being. Silly. It, it's weird because like my interpretation of uh, conduits has nothing to do with stands, but then again, that's also because I'm not a JoJo fan at all. So I oh, can't... I thought we were talking about like standing someone. No stands, as in like. The JoJo stands. Yeah. I don't watch JoJo because in the first episode, a dog was sad. <laughs> 2018 is season four. So I was one year be- behind you, cartoon. I beat you. Beat you. <laughs> I feel like Nobi, I've been explicit in this Q&A that like Nobi's a cop. And that's like the, that's the character concept. <laughs> so yeah, if I do it of cop. It, yeah. I just have to, would have to say conduit of cop basically. Of, ju- of justice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nileth ne- ne- is conduit of friend. Aww. Conduit of, of soft friend baby. <laughs> Gosh. See, and the, this this reminds me of the season five character idea I had. The uh, the ideas I had were one, no conduit, or idea number two, be the conduit of failure. And what does that mean? <laughs> and uh, that that idea never happened. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I, I just I, that's something that would be easier for other people to say about Aze, but. Eh. I don't have I I don't think the cat's developed enough yet that I would like define cats character on one word so i wouldn't be able to do that one um philippa might be the conduit of theory like given what i was talking about before like that she's intelligent in one way she's very academic but like as a leader she's had to like make some decisions and immediately is not good and i just think that like yeah so she's like the the conduit of theory but you know but not practice (laughs) um i was gonna say learning but that seemed kind of shallow. 
And I feel like maybe it's more connections. Yeah, I can see that. That makes a little, so much sense with slime. I think connections is better than learning. Yeah. I I on a similar track was currently looking up antonyms of connection and was trying to find like is there a word for not connection but for seeking connection. Ah. I don't know if there's a single word for wants connection but is struggling a bit. There's probably a German compound word. <laughs> that that was my initial thought is like Germany do you, you got my back on this? <laughs> they always Basement do. Basement nerd. The thing is about the compound nouns, you can just like translate the nouns you want and just whack them together and then it, it is a word. Voluptuary. <laughs> Excuse me? I looked up love seeker word on Google. Uh, all right, and I got pleasure seeker, so I don't know what voluptuary really means. Mm-hmm. I got love seeker and there's like, so you're looking for pleasure? And I was like, no. Um. <laughs> Sushnash Verbindung? Send me the send me the word, Laura. I speak German. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, I will send it to you because I don't know how to how to German. <laughs> but I've invented a word now, German compound uh-huh. words. Uh, da, 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 da. Jesus. Searching for connection, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there you go. There's there's my conduit. <laughs> I think they only have a word for my conduit in German. I think the compound noun you would make out of this would be like um Verbindungssuche. Oh, I found a bunch of weird words. <laughs> um, Great. Oh no. All right. Looking for a suitable expression someone who really loves to learn. Damn it. Okay. Fuck. So well, anyway, Epistemophile is another word you can put on your dating profile <laughs> to sound like an asshole. Nice. Yeah. Uh, also, philosophile and sophophile. Yeah, because so, you love me. Mm-hmm. Put those all in your Tinder profile and say, I'm those things, and then no one will That's ever... That's how you tell people like, that you're a fan of me, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sophophile, similar with more emphasis. Plato on. simply loved Sophie itself. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> All right, so I think that's about as good as we're going to get. Uh, last question on the way out uh, from Advanced Lesbianics. Sophie and Mari, how are you enjoying the show so far? Hope you're having a great time. I'm having a great time. It's like I get to reflect on myself and then put it into slime, and then I'm like, how do I say the weirdest thing possible? And that's fun. Um, sometimes I say normal things, and everyone's like, what? I'm like, oh, that was a weird, okay, anyway. Yeah, that was slime, not me, you know? <laughs> I've been having an amazing time. Uh, Sketch has been super helpful to me. Laura was already a friend, so this time to hang out with her every week has been awesome. Mari is obviously the funniest one on the show, and I wish I could be as funny as her. And uh, Austin's an amazing GM. It's been fantastic so far, and I'm really glad to be here. I think your characters are the coolest. I did not know oh. I was the funniest, but I'll accept that a compliment and not deflect <laughs> it. I'm absorbing it. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> you're you're both wonderful, and I'm very glad that I get to do this show with both Aww. of you. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, like I said, the number of times I've lost my shit over something Mari said is just innumerable <laughs> at this point. Exactly. And Sophie has been such a an elegant and natural fit. Uh, it's uh, I wouldn't say spooky, but it's just like just really fun. Just like oh, like there's no there's no there's like oh awkward figuring out period. It's just like no no no. Ominous. <laughs> I try to be ominous wherever Eldritch? I can possibly be- go. No, so. no, no. It's more just like it's uh 
it, it's just it, it's like when you're if you're trying to do improv on stage someone joins it that you never worked with before but then all of a sudden it's just like <laughs> oh yeah 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 we're on the same wavelength let's just oh, go thanks. yeah and then it's just it's, it's because they can read your mind <laughs> mm-hmm. true I'm taking a sofa file out of my profile and putting in ominous eldritch (laughs) 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 for boating. I I apologize. I apologize that the uh, I apologize that literally Florida's weather decided to intervene and stop us from actually recording the episode today. So I have one more week to agonize with everyone else. Oh, when when you hear what's coming, you're going to look back at this week and go, oh, oh, fuck, we could have had this a week earlier. Oh, <laughs> goddamn. Right. Spin those tables. Just another homebrew fable. 